Amen. Good morning. Boy, you sounded good this morning. I love our combined service. There's just so much energy. I love it when we come together and we sing praises to God as a church family. Just awesome. Well, today you've noticed uh, my sidekick, Manuel, is not here translating. We're actually doing something a little high-tech this morning. We'll see how this works. But some of you will be hearing a sermon in Spanish through an earbud. And uh, Manuel has already told me that he's going to preach a good sermon. So I don't know what you're going to hear, but I'm sure it'll be good. <laughs> Anyways, it's good to see each one out this morning as we worship our Lord and Savior. You know, there was a story of a man who uh, decided to go skydiving. Anybody done any skydiving here? Any brave soul? That's uh, okay. So he decides to go skydiving. And so his instructor said, here's what you're going to do. He said, you're going to go and jump out of the plane, count to six, pull the cord, and we'll have a truck down in the field waiting to pick you up. Great. So they get up to the right height. This man jumps out of the plane, counts to six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Pulls the cord. Nothing happens. So he does what he was taught. He pulls the reserve cord. Nothing happens. So he's falling, and he is frustrated. And he says, you know what? I bet that truck won't be down there either. <laughs> Amen. Expectations. That man's expectations are not going to be met. <laughs> you know, we all have expectations, right? I mean, when I get up in the morning, and you know I have this big commute, right? So I get in my car to start, start the engine, and I expect my car to start. If it doesn't start, then I usually take it to Manuel and let him try to figure it out. Or if I go to my favorite fast food, I expect to eat something that won't kill me. I, I sometimes wonder if that's not more of an exercise of faith, but I don't know. And, you know, sometimes when I go down to the DMV without an appointment, I expect to wait at least an hour. And you know what? They haven't let me down yet, right? Expectations. We all have expectations. But you know what? Different groups and different organizations, they too have expectations. So this week I, I went online and, and I just thought I would bump around to see what are some of the expectations that different groups have for their members. And so I started with the group actually that meets here during the week. The Rotary. Can you read that? Wow. We are in trouble because I can't even read it. All right. The Rotary has certain expectations. They, uh, they expect uh, to keep their club strong by each Rotary member sharing the responsibility of bringing new people. They even go as far as saying that they expect 50% for you to attend 50% of their meetings. Ah, thank you. Does that work better? Yes, great. Thank you, Cecil. Technology is a wonderful thing. Pretty high expectations. That's just a couple of them. You know, another one that, that I had uh, saw was the Lions Club. And they have certain expectations. 
much like I expect my button here to work, but uh, it's not happening. Uh-oh. Did I like? Wow. My, my expect, your expectations may not be met this morning. All right. Let's see if we can do this. Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. I'll learn to use white font. The Lions Club has certain expectations. They expect their members to behave and act in a certain way. And not just them, but also, and here is my favorite, there are certain expectations that... <laughs> Am I like blowing it this morning or what? Help me. Amen. Thank you, Sister Adam A. I always appreciate your amens are perfect timing. There we go. Expectations for little league parents. Oh, this is a wonderful thing. I remember having to sign this thing. These are just a few of them. Obviously, we know that these expectations get broke on a daily basis in little leagues. But even little leagues have expectations on their parents, not to mention what they expect from the players and from the coaches. See, all these organizations, they have expectations of their members. Now, I say all this because a few years ago, I was counseling a young girl, uh, actually not a young girl, she was a college age, about joining our church. And this was the question she asked me. What is expected of me as a member of the church? Great question. What is expected from me if I join your church? What do you expect me to do? How do you expect me to act? And I kind of sat there and had to think about that. It kind of took me off guard, to be honest with you. I had to think, well, what am I going to tell her? What, what do we expect? Well, this month, you know, we've, we've stopped kind of our series through Ephesians, and we've talked about having a fresh start. And really, the verse that, the reason why I, I thought of this was, it, we ended in Ephesians where it says, submit to one another out of reverence of Christ. And that one another is speaking about the context of the local church. And we stopped there and said, you know, when the Spirit of God is leading my life, then I will learn to prefer my brother and I will submit to them. The church membership is, is so different than what the world, many view church all about. It's different. It's, it's deeper than, than, than just getting a gym membership and going down there and, and working out. Church is so much deeper. It's family. It's about a commitment that we have to one another. And I think if we're going to have a fresh start as a church, and we begin this year, we need to answer this question. What is expected of me as a member of the church? Well, to answer this question, I think we need to go back to a document that actually says it, something that has been in our Constitution all along, and that is a church covenant. Help me, help me, I'm sending out an SOS. Yeah, a church covenant. 
We actually have had one. We don't talk a lot about it. I mean, when's the last time you've heard a sermon or anything referred to about our church covenant? It's been a while. But a church covenant, it tells us this is what is expected as a member. Our doctrinal statement tells us what we believe. Church covenant tells us this is how we're to live it out. This is how we interact with one another. As one church historian wrote, a church covenant is a series of written pledges based on the Bible which church members voluntarily make to God and to one another regarding the basic moral and spiritual commitments and the practice of their faith. It's a voluntary commitment, a voluntary promise that I say to God, God, this is how I am going to commit myself to you, and this is how I'm going to commit myself to this church family that I belong to, this local assembly, these fellow believers that I am committed to. This is how I am going to live it out. Now, the bottom line of a church covenant, it's God's glory. You, live, you want to know how to live for God's glory? It's expressed in the church covenant. And like it says here, the church covenant is based on the Bible. Now, here's the thing. Somebody's going, oh, man, I don't want to. Why do I got to obey these written rules? See, you're, you're missing it. As a child of God, I have an inward desire to live in a way that pleases God. To live in a way that gives him glory. All the church covenant does is just spell that out. This is how a child of God lives in context of a church family. This is what I am committed to live. Why? Because inwardly I already desire to do it. Because I desire a way to live that pleases God. And so it is important that we have a church covenant. It is important for us to understand what is expected for us as members. So if you have your bulletin, take it out right now. Go ahead and take out your, your bulletin. And if you'll notice, we have a church covenant that we've kind of rewrote a little bit. Actually, to be honest, I cut and pasted. Did a little tweaking. We put some verses to it to show the support. And this is what we voted the other day as a church family. This is what is expected of a church member. But it's something, like I said, that already as a child of God, I desire to do. So let's go through this, and let's, uh, let's see if we can talk about what it is to be a church member. So the first thing we see is our promise. Having been led, the first paragraph, as we trust by the Spirit of God to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and to give up ourselves to him, and having been baptized upon our profession of faith, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we do now, relying on his gracious aid, solemnly and joyfully make a covenant with each other. That's just an introduction. Just saying, hey, I'm a child of God. God has made a difference in my life. Here is what we acknowledge. We accept the Bible as the inspired word of God, as our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. We will work and pray for the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We will walk together in brotherly love as becomes the members of the Lord's church, exercise an affectionate care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully admonish and entreat one another as 
occasion may require. We recognize our responsibility to pray regularly for the work of the church, for its pastors and members, that the witness of all concern may be to the glory of God and to the salvation of souls. We recognize our responsibility to be regular in our attendance at the services of the church and at the Lord's table. We will work together for the continuance of a faithful evangelical ministry in this church as we sustain its worship, its ordinances, its discipline, and doctrine. We will contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, to the expense of the church, to the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all the nations. We will seek, by the aid of the Holy Spirit, to live carefully in the world, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, and remembering that as, have, as we have been voluntarily buried by baptism and raised again from the symbolic grave, so there is on us a special obligation now to lead a new and holy life. We will endeavor to bring up those that may at any time be under our care in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and by a pure and loving example to seek the salvation of our family and friends. We will, if we move from this place, unite with a church of like faith as soon as possible where we can continue to carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. And then our kind of summary, our conclusion. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. That is what's expected as a member of our church. And if you look at it, it's the same as the old covenant. We just kind of reworded it a little bit. But to answer that question that that young girl, that that girl asked me, this is it. This is how we should interact with one another. And this has really been our sermons through this month. We started out by talking about what is a church. Well, we talked about that it's baptized, it's saved, baptized people. People who've come to saving faith, who recognize their sin and cried out to Jesus Christ as their Savior and said, God, save me. Those who have responded in salvation and then followed the Lord in baptism as a picture, not to save them, but as a picture that I have been saved, that I'm not going to live the old way, I'm going to live the new life. Those who come together and, and make a promise be, are a part of our local church, our local assembly. We had a sermon on the importance of that local church and what it means to be. Then we talked about what our mission is. What, what are, throughout this church covenant, you will see there is a goal that we have. The ultimate goal is God's glory. That is the ultimate goal of us, is that God would receive glory in all we do. And we talked about how that happens. Two ways, for particularly. One is in the preaching of the gospel. Listen, it's to God's glory when someone acknowledges Jesus Christ as their Savior. Amen? Absolutely. It's God's glory when they change a life. I believe God changes lives. I believe he gives us peace and joy. Jesus said, I came to give life, life more abundant. I absolutely believe that with all my heart. Jesus Christ changes lives. And it's to God's glory. We're the instruments that declare the good news, the great message of Jesus. We're the instruments. But it's God who saves. And it's for his glory. 
But there's another way, and this was the sermon Brother Reuben talked about, that God receives glory, and that is the way we live. When we live in a way that's holy, that reflects the difference of God in our lives, it's to God's glory. Amen? You know, if we're caught up with sin, God does not get glory in that. Okay? The reality is, listen, sin leads you. You want to destroy your relationships? Dabble in sin. Mark it down. But when I live a holy life, and I try as best I can with all my heart to please live in a way that pleases God, it's to His glory, not mine. Because the only way I can do that is by God's grace and His power. You see, so God gets glory when the world sees a difference in our lives and also sees how we interact with one another. When they come and they, and they see this group of people and they say, wow, you know what, there's just something different about them. You, you go, wow, you know, you've got this group of people from all kinds of different backgrounds and cultures who come together and they, and they love one another and they praise the same God. There must be something about this group. There is. It's Jesus Christ. The common bound. So that is how what we've been talking about this month, about having a fresh start. It's just understanding as members who we are, what we should be doing, how we should be living. This morning I want to continue on and I want to talk about three more principles that are kind of spelled out through our church covenant. Three more responsibilities that we have. And the first one I want us to notice is this, prayer. Prayer. We have a responsibility as members of the church to pray. And listen, we all can do that. You know, I, I'm going to brag on one of our members. This isn't in the notes, Manuel, so. <laughs> Sister Anna May told a story the other day of how she had to wait in the hospital. They gave her an appointment that was uh, time and and. and she was there real early, but they pushed her appointment back to later on. I mean, hours later. You know what she did while she waited? She prayed. What a wonderful thing to do. She sat there in her chair and she prayed. And let me tell you, I know she's praying for you. And she prays for this church. Prayer. Prayer is something we all can do. Well, three ways I want us to know is, number one, we need to pray for the unity of the church. The unity. You know, unity is a fragile thing. You know, we have unity because the Spirit of God has worked in our hearts and has changed our lives. It's God who gives the unity. But he says that we're to preserve it. Notice in Ephesians 4.3 that we talked about earlier last year, in the last year. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We have to make every effort we can to keep unity within our church because it's very easy for my flesh to get in the way and cause disunity. And so how do we do that? Well, i got to watch how I behave, how I interact. I want to live in a way that builds you up, not causes a problem and tears you down. But one of the best ways to do that is to pray for you is to pray. You know, I've said it before, when you have a problem with somebody, let me tell you the best thing you can do to help. Start praying for them. I mean, honestly pray for them. 
Not pray, God, I hope that this guy gets in a car wreck, right? Not that prayer. Not that one. God, I hope you strike him with lightning. Not that one. That's not the prayer I'm talking about. I'm talking about the prayer, God, bless him. God, I, I'm praying for him. I think he's wrong, but God, I pray your blessings on him. Let me tell you, when you start praying for that person, it's amazing how your heart will change. Instead of being angry and resentful, you start having compassion for that person. Prayer protects the unity of our church. The other thing we need to pray for is for the advancement of the gospel. For the advancement of the gospel. You know, we need to be praying that God opens up doors for the message to be heard. Brethren, we're in a spiritual battle. I am, I am so, so convinced of this. There have been so many times that I've seen people who want to make a commitment to God and something happens to derail that commitment. Brethren, we are in a spiritual battle. And we need to pray. Notice how Paul, what he says in Ephesians, and we'll get to it a little bit later. Paul writes, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So we need to be praying for everybody at all times, all God's people. But notice, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. That should be all of our prayer. That when God gives us an opportunity to share the gospel, that we would pray, that we would boldly proclaim it. And we need to be praying for that. We need to be praying that God would open up the eyes of that person's heart to understand the gospel message so that they'll respond in saving faith. Prayer, so important in the life of a church that we pray that the gospel message will continue forward. Let me give you one other opportunity to think about this that we need to pray for. Brethren, we need to pray for our leaders of this country. We are, we are commanded in Scripture to pray for those who lead us, all of our, of our authorities. But here's the thing. Most of the time when we make that prayer, we're talking about things to make life easier for me. And I understand that. I pray that our economy turns around. I pray that our leaders have wisdom to do that. But really, what we also need to be praying is that they will not do something to hinder the gospel message. And let me tell you, we are in a battle in the United States. I think the Christian faith is under attack by many. We can see some uh, political agendas that are totally anti-God in our nation. We need to be praying that we can continue to proclaim the gospel message. That was free, but that is what we should be doing. So we need to pray for the unity of the church. We need to pray for the advancement of the gospel. We also need to pray 
for one another. Listen, I need you. I need your prayers. You know what? You need each other. You need each other's prayers. I've always kind of said church is like a big support group. That's the way it should be. We just kind of encourage and help one another. That is what true church life is. It's not about being disconnected. It's about being connected. Notice how James writes this. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, obviously, we don't have a confessional, right? You don't have to come out and do those things. But what's he talking about here? Listen, brethren, we need to be honest and open with one another that we can say, hey, look, you know what? I'm struggling with this. Pray for me. Pray for me. That's church life. It's not judging you for it. It's saying, look, I'm struggling. Help me. I don't want to do this. Pray for me. That's church. That's what it means to be connected in church. And that goes to my next point. And that's this very thing. The responsibility of a church member is to be connected. To be connected. You know, many just take church like they would a movie. They come in, they sit in, they get entertained, and they leave. They're missing the point of church. Church isn't what I get out of it. It's what I give. That's what church is about. It's about me being connected. And listen, sometimes it takes work for me to get connected in, all right? I mean, sometimes i got to make the first step. And I encourage you to do that. I mean, nobody here, I hope, is going to bite you. I, I don't know. I think they have their rabies shots if they are. So anyways, I think you're okay. I mean, the point is that, that we, church is to be connected. Notice how the writer of Hebrews puts it. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I read this verse, and, and I always think about this story I read where three pastors were at lunch one day. And one pastor said, you know, I've been having all kinds of problems with bats. Bats in the attic of the church. And we just can't get rid of them. I've tried noise. I've tried fumigation. I've tried uh, um, cats. Nothing. Can't get rid of these bats. The second pastor said, yeah, you know what? I have the same problem. I have bats in the belfry. He goes, can't get rid of them. Had a guy come in, try to fumigate the place. Still can't get rid of the bats. The third pastor said, you know what? I had the exact same problem as you guys. All kinds of bats in the church, couldn't get rid of them. Then I figured out that after I would go ahead and baptize all of them, they never showed up again. And I got to tell you, it's kind of funny, but it's somewhat true that there are many times that we have baptized people and 
I haven't seen them again. They've, they've really missed the point of church. It's about being connected. Notice the mutual encouragement and support in these verses. I mean, we always focus on the whole thing, you know, don't, you know, don't miss a meeting, in essence. We use this a lot of times for that. And well, we shouldn't, brethren. We need to be here. Because if you're not here, you can't live out this verse. Mutual edification does not happen in isolation. Does not happen. We have to come together. That's why it's so important. At this time, at this church, for whatever was going on, whether these brethren that the writer was writing to were getting some persecution that they stopped at meeting together, or maybe they were connected with the Jewish synagogue who was influencing not to attend, or maybe it was just pure apathy. Whatever the reason, the writer says that forsaking the assembly is dangerous. In essence, he was saying they were abandoning the assembly. That's exactly what that word means. And it's dangerous. Brethren, God has created church for us to grow. And we grow in the context of one another. So important to understand. We need each other. That's why you need to be here. And you cannot edify somebody else by not being here. Amen? Now, we don't have any rules like if you miss so many Sundays... You're not a member and this and that. But brethren, the reality is we shouldn't have to have those rules. Because we should desire to be here with one another to edify and build each other up. Because the whole context is this. I need you and you need me. And that's true for all of us. We need each other. We're to be connected. And that's what it's speaking about here, is being connected. So, responsibility, prayer, praying for each other, being connected. Let me show you one more. Working together. Working together. You know, we're to strive together to carry out the gospel, the Great Commission. We call it believe, belong, become. We want people to believe in God, to believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior, we want them to belong to a church family where they'll grow. And we want them to become like Jesus Christ. That is the Great Commission. Go out and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded, and lo, I'm with you always. That is what we're called to do. And so we need to do this, though, we need to work together. As a church... We have to work together. And to reach this community of Bellflower, it takes all of us, Spanish-speaking, English-speaking, or whatever you speak, together to reach this community. And together, we can be an influence, a light. And the more we work together, the greater our light will be. Notice, so the first way to work together is to use your gifts and talents. Use your gifts and talents. There's so many ways that you can use the way that God has gifted you, has given you talents, all kinds of opportunities. And here's the thing. As a church member, you should use them. Notice what Paul writes in Romans. 
For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Basically, he's saying, look, don't think too high of yourselves. When we talk about using our talents, we're talking about serving. Remember the verse that Brian read? It's about me serving you, using my gifts and talents to serve you. Not serve myself, not exalt myself, but to serve you so that God would be exalted. So he says, do it with humility. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. My body has hand, foot, ear, nose, pretty tough to eat through my ear. Doesn't work. Eat through my mouth, right? I hope so. I walk on my feet. I don't use my hands. I can't do that. I can't eat using my toes to hold the fork. That's a pretty good trick. Can't do it, right? Each part has a different. So it is in church. God has gifted each one of us a different way for his glory to edify the body, to carry out the Great Commission. And so, Paul continues to write, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesied, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And what he's saying is, look, God has gifted each one of us here in a different way. Use your gift. Because when you do, it builds up the body. How many of you have ever sprained your ankle? That's usually a common one, right? Now, how hard is it to get along when you've got a sprained ankle? Yeah, right? You kind of, you got to do one of these things, right? You got to compensate. The left, left leg's got to do, do, the, do the more of the work. Okay. That's what happens when one body part doesn't function like it should. Our body as a whole is not reaching what it can be. So I'm challenging you to use your gifts and your talents. Now, how do I do that? Well, there's all kinds of ways in our church for you to get, use your gift and talents. Let me show you one area that's coming up this summer. So we'll go ahead and you can take a look at this. Here's one opportunity that you can use your gifts and your talents. All right, so that's coming this summer, and you probably will get wet, I'll warn you. <laughs> VBS is such a great opportunity for us to use our gifts, 
But that's just one of many. And by the way, they will be signing up. And so when you sign up, and we're talking about gifts and talents, don't just say to Olivia and Alicia, hey, I'll help you wherever you need. Say, hey, you know what? I want to be a crew leader. Sign me up for a crew leader. Or you know what? I want to help with crafts. Sign up for crafts. Be specific. Say, look, this is what God's laid on my heart to do. Let me do, help, let me show, help me use that in your VBS. Maybe you like going out. Listen, we covered the neighborhood with flyers. Maybe you love going out and doing the door knocking thing. Hey, we need it. Listen, we work together and it's all for God's glory. But that's just one example. Listen, we have every Sunday services here. We have all kinds of opportunities to serve there. We have people who need to be visited just to say hello. We have camp coming up this summer. We have a group going to Honduras to go do a VBS there. We have Easter service and on and on. We have all kinds of opportunity for us to use our gifts and talents. Brethren, use them. The more that we work together, the more God will receive glory. And so God calls each one of us to use our gifts. That is what is expected of me as a member, is to be a part to linking arms with you in the carrying out of the gospel. Well, there's one more thing I just want to briefly say, and that's this. Giving. Giving financially. Now, we talked a lot about this. So many people think, you know what, church, all it is is about money. Well, they, they don't understand it. They really miss the point. Church isn't about us just getting more money. Church is about us carrying out the gospel to people around us. Does that take money in our world? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't know of any organization that doesn't need money. I don't know of any. So yes, when we give in our offerings to our general fund, when you give to that, when you give what God has placed in your heart to give, it goes out and it not only affects the ministries here and on the church, but it goes to missionaries around the world. It also goes to meet some of the needs of our church family who are struggling. Everything you do when you give to the church budget goes to meet the ministries of our church. That's how we do this. It isn't about collecting more money. It's about trying to help more people. And here's the beautiful thing. This is what Paul writes. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And he doesn't end there. Because God says, yes, you know what? As members, we're to give. But notice, he goes on and gives a promise. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God says, listen, if you're going to give and you give, I will bless you for giving. Now, I'm not here to tell you that you give 10 bucks, God's going to give you 100. All right? That may be other preachers. That's not me. God may bless you ways that you can't even expect, and it has nothing to do with finances. Okay. 
God says, I'll meet your needs if you give. That's what he promises. That's what he promises. So this is what we see here. This is what it means to be a member of the Lord's church. It's for us to live out this thing we call the church covenant, which is based in Scripture. Together, brethren, we can start a fresh start, one another. We can live out this church covenant. So I want to encourage you, members, cut this thing out. Put it somewhere where you can see it. Put it on your refrigerator next to all those other drawings and stuff. All right? Put it up in your mirror so when you look at your beautiful mug every morning, you can see this next to it. Just as a reminder, brethren, that church is so much more, so much more than just showing up on Sunday mornings and think I did my religious duty and go home. Brethren, you're missing it. Church is about me being committed to you and you being committed to me. It's about us being... members here. I pray, Father, that you would help us again. Just help us to love each other like we should, to be in each other's corner, and to carry out your great commission. Thank you, Father. And it's always our prayer that everything we do and say would bring you honor and glory. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.